Okay, Google, what is the Freestyle Connection? On the website freestyleconnection.com, they say, Freestyle is a site dedicated to inform, connect, encourage, and support a community of thinkers and doers through movement, nutrition, technology, lifestyle, business, and culture. To find out more, look for the link in your Google Home or Google Assistant app. So, today I'm talking to Carl Powley, and one of many of the things that he's done is Freestyle Connection. But it would take a long time to kind of go through his origin story. He'll be a name that sounds familiar if you are interested in CrossFit or gymnastics, but it's not to say that that's the only reason why you'll want to listen to this episode. Because we didn't talk about training at all. And we barely even mentioned the word CrossFit. So give this one a listen. And what I really need on this one is if you could share it on social media. Uh, tag me in Instagram so that I can see it and repost. That's helping me a lot to, to get the word out there and spread the message about good enlightening conversations and meaningful moments in people's lives. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Lifestyle Chase, Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. So welcome to episode 71 of the Lifestyle Chase. Today I am joined by the one and only Carl Powley. Did I get your name right? You definitely did. You definitely yes. did. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. So I want to give a shout out to Tara Gauthier who connected us. Uh, it was super cool. Like honestly, I, I feel like I was living under a rock because I've been doing like research on you, Carl, for like the last couple weeks, listening to probably three podcasts every couple days, and it, like there is so much material on you. So if you could describe wow. the five things that you're most proud of over the last five years. What would they be? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I would say, number one, always trying to stay true to um, who I am at at my just core and heart. Uh, I would say that's number one, which has been challenging to do when you're uh, trying to be quote unquote successful in any branch or craft or industry. And I feel like that's something that I, I feel like I've always done. So that would be number one. Uh, number two, I would say I am uh, the proudest of my uh, relationship with my wife, uh, who uh, we've been together for almost 14 years. And uh, we're constantly working on our relationship and it's always evolving. And the fact that we are willing to do that, I'm very, I'm very proud of that. Uh, number three, uh, my wife and I, we, we became foster parents, uh, maybe six, seven years ago, six years ago now. 
and uh, uh, we ended up adopting. And uh, I'm I'm very very proud of my my daughter and uh, the relationship that we have uh, with her and how we're always uh, learning to to navigate the water waters ahead. So that's that's been that's been another one. Um, four, I would say. Um, I'm proud of the the work that I've done up until now. I feel like uh, some of the things that I put out, like for example, my book. I'm very proud of the book that um, I wrote uh, alongside my co-author Tony Sherbondi, who used to be uh, a client, then became a friend, and then uh, we collaborated on this book. I'm I'm very proud of that. And um, five, I would say I'm very proud that I can sit here right now and uh, genuinely appreciate uh, being alive and um, pursue and enjoying this moment right now where I get to talk to you and have a, a conversation about whatever comes out. So those would be my top five. I like it. Um, so tell me about what life is like for you now, because a person can look into your background and they can see that you've had a strong presence in the CrossFit community, gymnastics background, you've been successful with business, but now life has changed. What What's this week looking like for you? Well, this week, uh, someone actually just texted me a second ago asking me, how, how, how am I doing? Well, uh, yesterday I just got back from Austin, Texas, where I taught one of my seminars that I teach. So yesterday was a recovery day, and today is kind of a just getting my toes wet again and uh, uh, just getting into the week. But it's dedicated for the next two weeks on on making sure that I, an event that I have coming up uh, uh, on the 19th of October runs smoothly. So we're just finalizing schedules and making sure that, you know, we have uh, all the different um, uh, little bits and pieces organized in a way that the, the, the show can run smoothly because I have a uh, I have uh, 20 people flying in from all around the world uh, that are going to attend. And then I have 10 people flying in that are going to be speaking at this event. And uh, that that has a lot of moving pieces and parts. So that's that's what this week is really dedicated to. And then on top of that, I'm I'm testing some new things. Like one of them is uh, tomorrow I'm going to uh, have coffee at a coffee shop that's right down the street from my place. And I've invited anyone who wants to show up to show up. So I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, my goal is to start connecting with uh, uh, the people who have either followed me or supported me or are curious about anything that I'm doing. Uh, yeah, inviting them in to just have a conversation. I like it. So your your audience has kind of shifted over the years. Like, do you find that... Uh a lot of the fitness people have kind of gravitated away from you as you've like gone through different uh, sort of phases. Yeah, you know it's very funny. I've uh, I'm 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 a nerd when it comes to analytics, so I'm I'm constantly looking at uh, data, <laughs> what's happening on the back end. But I at the same time I I really care about the the connections that I'm making. And one of the things that I learned was that. Uh, 50% of the audience that I currently speak to either on my social platforms or uh, anywhere I, I show up, podcast, uh, other people's YouTube channels, um, 
50% of those have followed me uh, since the beginning. Uh, and the beginning was in 2007, 2008, uh, when I started really putting out content. The other 50% uh, have just recently joined me in the past uh, three to five years. And it, it's interesting to see that mix. And now as I uh, make more of a, a hard turn into lifestyle beyond just talking about fitness or, uh, in my case, gymnastics applied to fitness. Uh, I am getting a lot of people messaging me saying, hey, I was here originally for the gymnastics or the fitness stuff, but I'm, uh, I'm uh, intrigued to stick around for the culture, mindset, and uh, pursuit of uh, living a life that's worth a while. So that's that's uh, kind of what we're seeing right now with the audience, and it's pretty pretty cool to see. So, I I think it's interesting knowing all the stuff that I learned through the other podcasts where you were a guest, in how, like, you reached sort of a peak financially, but then that wasn't quite as fulfilling as what one would think, mm-hmm. and like you you were sponsored, you had a sponsorship with Reebok, right? I did, yeah. So, like, there's there's all these things that a person will be like, wow, like, once you get that, you just have it made. But it's like, life is much more dynamic than that. And I want you to sort of tell me a bit more about what that realization was like, like that, that turning point where you went from thinking that you had everything that you would think you would need to realizing that there was much, much more to what what made you happy. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and uh, something that I can tackle in many ways. Right now, what's coming up for me as I'm thinking about this is that no matter how much I had, I was never satisfied with what I had. And even when I had it, I was always scared of losing it. I always felt like I was living in scarcity. And uh, what's been interesting is that the less I've had and the the less I've tried to have, uh, even from the clothes that I wear, I always wear the same thing. I wear a t-shirt, pants, and shoes, and that's it. And if it's a little cold, I wear a hoodie and a jacket. That, it, But it's always the same thing. There's no real variety and there's no uh, uh, craziness in, in my life in terms of uh, possessions. And um, now more than ever i can i can say with certainty that uh i feel like i'm living in way more abundance than i was when all these things were coming to me meaning uh every week i would get packages from my sponsors from reebok from uh nutrition companies i was working with other products that i was reviewing i was getting boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff and you know what i did most of the time I complained, oh, this doesn't fit the wrong size. It's taking up a lot of space. Uh, it was, I was not appreciating what I had created for myself, which was what I originally set out to do, <laughs> to create a life of abundance. But the foundation was um, shaky. And it was shaky because I didn't understand what my uh values and principles were around the relationship uh, that i had with either money uh, possessions uh, people uh, my craft and and that's what i've had to really work on so it was never about the money it was never about the things it was never about 
uh, the micro fame that I maybe gained because I became a big fish in a small pond. It was always about a sense of fulfillment. And I didn't know where that sense of fulfillment really was, uh, even though uh, in the back of my head, I knew it was inside of me. I just didn't know how to tap into it. That's cool. And it's important for people to kind of hear that from as many other people as possible, because like, life is all fun and games until it's over and you ran out of time to do what meant something to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's it's like small things like this. Um, I, I got on the plane uh, flying back home from Austin the other day, and I sit next to this guy who, when I first saw him, uh, I was like, ah, oh, he looks kind of angry. So I immediately start judging him. Uh, or like, oh, I don't want to bother him. So I was kind of, you know, scooting over to one side and, and trying to be in my own little cocoon. And um, there was something with the plane where the temperature of the of the cabin was just fluctuating from really cold to really hot, really cold to really hot. So we started kind of messing with the, the air conditioning uh, knob and we were both kind of reaching for it every, every two minutes. And eventually I took my headphones on and we looked at each other and we started to laugh and for the for the following three hours we had an amazing conversation and he here i was uh judging this gentleman uh before i even uttered a word or he or he even uttered a word and uh it, we ended up exchanging information and his daughter did crossfit and it, it became this very special plane ride and that moment right there is the thing that back in the day I was closed up to. I, I wasn't opening myself up to the opportunities or possibilities that you could have a very powerful relationship with a person that is a stranger and and make, make this uh, plane journey, which is usually a pain in the ass, uh, a, a pleasure and something very memorable. And uh, it was just another reminder that uh, we shouldn't judge a book by its cover and uh, that if you're just a little bit open, you may be surprised on the value that's on the other side of uh, that opening. Totally, I, I agree. And like, it, it comes down to like something like this podcast, a lot of people will pursue guests where like everybody knows who that guest is. But when it comes down to it, like it doesn't matter who the guest is. Like if you have time to talk to somebody, you're going to get something from it, which is, I, I think that's the great thing about podcasts of all. Yeah, the guests, I agree. Of all the guests that you've ever interviewed or people that have hosted you. Um, can you think of like one or two ones that kind of like stick with you that sort of just changed the way you saw things? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, I, I, I had a guest on my podcast. His name is Tony Dam, and he is actually a coach at the gym that I'm a member at, at Telegraph CrossFit, which is right down the street from my, from my place and uh, where my wife and I train. Uh, he, when he was on my podcast, he told me his story of how he ended up uh, in prison for 10 years. And... Um, the way that he told his story just allowed me to see that people are not their actions. 
And although our actions at time can be hurtful and uh, should not be tolerated, that doesn't mean that uh, the person is the actions itself or the behaviors itself. And this led to uh, me having a chance to go into uh, the county jail here in San Francisco where I live with Tony to speak to um, a group of inmates there. And uh, even that word inmate, uh, the, the program that we were a part of to get in there, they, they've changed it to students, the students that are in there that are learning to re-enter society in a way that they can be of value and service and to live a fulfilling life without uh, hurting uh, anyone. And uh, being able to connect with people at that level, that that was really powerful. And uh, it just kind of showcased for me how uh, uneducated I was uh, in regards to how one sees that part of society that we know exists, but we don't really know how to interact with. So that was probably one of the most powerful uh, interviews that I've ever done. And uh, I'm glad to be able to call him a a friend now and uh, I'm going to his wedding and the whole thing. So yeah, that he was, he was the most meaningful one, Tony Dem. Awesome. When it comes to empathy, because I know a lot of people in this kind of a space, whether it be like working with people either through fitness or just communication, we we have to exhibit quite a large, a high level of empathy. What's What would you say is a situation in which you felt like you paid the biggest uh, price with, with how much empathy that you felt? So you mean um, what's taken the most toll on me? Yeah. Mm. You know, one thing that I say in my teachings all the time is that um, I don't care about your problems. And I say this because uh, I have enough of my own to care about. That being said, what I do care about is what you intend to do about your problems. And that's what I am here for. I, as a coach uh, in the fitness space, lifestyle space, wherever I am, I'm here to help you identify what is it that you consider a problem and how can I help you figure out how to solve that problem. So I guess um, if I had to choose, it has been in working with um, adaptive athletes, people who have suffered very traumatic injuries and maybe are paralyzed from the chest down or lost a leg or an arm or are dealing with uh, uh, CP or anything that may uh, uh, maybe uh, stop them from performing uh, as uh, what one would consider an able body athlete or individual could. And I think being able to see that we are all adaptive athletes that that took a toll on me uh, because I I had to really process this information that we're all playing on on the same playing field. It's just that we're in different locations. It's not a vertical ladder that we're climbing. It's this horizontal plane and and we need to be able to shift around it. And uh, I think that that took toll on me because at first uh, my gut was taking me to a place where I I felt sorry for them when in reality that that was not that was not true that was my problem 
because they don't feel sorry for themselves. And the mirror that they were putting up against me was like, hey, wait, do you feel sorry for yourself, Carl? Is that what's going on? And that's what it was. So, uh, yeah, that that has definitely been uh, something that if I had to say uh, a moment or something that's taken toll on me, it's been working with the adaptive athletes and, and realizing that uh, I'm the one that has a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the one that needs to do some work. Yeah, but uh, it's been the, 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 the best gift that I've, uh, I've received as, as a coach to, to be able to work with uh, a population like that. Yeah, and like that's an important thing to reflect on because a lot of people, I think, will approach those situations and, and feel like they almost have to like carry this burden. But somebody's like, what burden? Like, this is just what it is. So you just help me do my thing and don't be talking about it as if there's a problem. Like, a lot of people are just kind of running with the punches. They, they uh, don't necessarily need that level of empathy in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think w- once you start realizing that we're all just trying to figure it out, uh, things become much easier. And I think that's where empathy really does come in because you realize that no matter who you're talking to, whether it's the, the CEO or president of a big company or uh, someone who is just getting out of jail, uh, every single person at their level, in their context, they're just trying to figure it out. So I want you to think of the last year and reflect on a time when you were the most scared, like just like whether it be financial, emotional, whatever it was, just a moment of like crushing doubt or fear. Mm, mm. Well, I think if I had to uh, pinpoint one moment, it was probably uh, two months ago when I got back from a, a trip in, in Romania. I was visiting my family uh, and uh, I got back and uh, a week later I woke up with tinnitus ringing in my, in my left ear. And at first I thought, oh, I'll just kind of shake it off. It gave me a little bit of panic at first. But then a week went by and, and it didn't go away. And it was starting to get louder and louder and louder. So I ended up going to the doctor and they said, well, you, you, it doesn't seem like you have any uh, physical problems here. You should go take a hearing test, took a hearing test. And they said, uh, uh, yeah, you, you're above average in hearing. You're totally fine. Um, if this persists, we'll just uh, check in with us again and we'll maybe start doing some therapy or, or helping you get uh, some resources to work with. So anyways, uh, uh, I started suffering from some vertigo and headaches daily and all of a sudden started having these, these panic attacks and I thought it was all revolving around this tinnitus or ringing in my ear. But what started coming up was that uh, my career that I had been uh, following for so long was simply at this moment in my life not fulfilling and I had to make uh, a shift to move uh, away from being coach Carl to simply being Carl and uh, broadening the scope of my practice and um, and that's what came up and this came up first emotionally then intellectually uh, and now it's starting to come out mechanically and my behavior in my life and, and, uh, 
uh, that's the scaredest I've, I've probably been because I've had to really sit with this new layer of separating myself from the Carl that I have been identifying with for so long. And that, that when you create that separation at first, it's, uh, uh, it's very scary. But now as I'm starting to live in that separation where I, I, I don't necessarily identify with even the character that's speaking to you right now, uh, brings me a, a tremendous amount of uh, peace and fulfillment. And uh, I feel like this is the right thing to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And I'm excited for what it's, it's bringing me right now. So what does fulfillment look like for you now? Because like, you're a very wise person, like I, I've heard your your thoughts on just like purpose in life and stuff like that. And just like things that things that have more meaning. But I, I want you to sort of kind of draw out what your vision is for yourself and what looks like impact or what looks like purpose for you in your life. Yeah, let's let's start with uh, my role, which is what I can identify with uh, right now the closest, which is my role. If I were to put myself in the coach coach's position, uh, Coach Carl, his role is to help people learn how to get their needs met. That that's what that that's what his role is. So anytime that I am uh, facilitating, creating space, um, through teaching or whatever it is that I'm doing. If I am helping someone learn how to get their needs met, then I feel fulfilled immediately. I feel a sense of fulfillment. And now there are layers to this. There's, uh, the mental process, which is how I think about getting needs met for myself and for others. Um, there's the, the physical process, which is my behaviors, my practice, my physical practice that may look like I meditate a little bit. I exercise a little bit. I meet with people. I have conversation a little bit. We build something that's the physical. Then there's more of the, what some would call the, the, the spiritual or the holistic side of things, which is in, in regards to who I am. How am I connected with this world? Meaning, am I taking into consideration the greater good, the planet, the uh, our whole society, a bigger group of people than just myself and whoever I'm working with? And then there's also the um, relationship uh, side of things. It's like, who's my core? Who's the core people I'm dealing with on a daily basis? Friends, family, clients. Who are those people? Do I do I enjoy being around them? It, it, is being around them making me better? So that's a really important part. And sometimes that looks like a conversation like this. We're having, we're connecting, we're dialoguing, and there's some information exchange. But the question is, are we enjoying that? And if we are, then I I'm in alignment. I feel fulfilled. And then finally, there's the. Um, the business side of things, which for me, business is simply creating a vehicle that allows you to multiply, speed up, slow down, connect your philosophy, the thing that you believe in. And if you don't have the mental side, like I discussed about earlier, the way that you're thinking about things, if you don't have the physical practice, if you don't have the holistic approach of how you're connected to this world, if you don't have the relationship piece of friends, family, network, 
then it's very hard to know if what you're building, the vehicle that you're building that's multiplying, slowing down, connecting your message is actually in alignment with you. So that's very important. And then ultimately is uh, having some sort of uh, KPI, key performance indicator, a, a metric, something that tells me, oh yeah, this is trending in the right direction. And for me, it's a feeling. And this is a, a quote that I use all the time, which is, True human performance is measured by feel. If it feels right in your head and your heart and your gut, you're trending in the right direction. And usually when you do that over time, your bank account is a little bit more full. You're able to spend more money on, on things that you believe in. Uh, your relationships are reciprocating as, uh, as much as you're giving, they're giving you back. There's this balance that exists and you can actually see it uh, throughout your life if you simply stop to pay attention so that's usually what um i would define as me feeling fulfilled at every single level and right now uh it it's changing it's it's going from me teaching someone how to do a handstand to me now focusing more on saying what is it that you want and how can we uh lean into what you want in order to identify what you need and when we get those needs met to see what it actually looks like and then over time, hopefully that is making uh, an impact in the world the way that you uh, believe you can make that impact. In. I like that. That's good. And I want to take a moment to sort of reflect on some of your past successes. So like, here's a few that sort of stand out to me, like looking at your YouTube, you have a ton of subscribers. So that would stand out as, as a success. You have a New York Times a uh, bestseller book which you co-authored and that's a success and you've spoken at seminars all over the world but with a lot of those things a lot of people look at like the outcome and they're thinking wow like they got there fast or wow that was easy but it, it's so often the product of a lot of like diligent work if you could mm -hmm. think of like the the work that you had to put in like um where was the where was the moment where you were like shit like i'm i'm tired of doing this like it, it's never going to pay off where was the moment where it finally did and like what what was life like for you in that moment yeah the, there's definitely no overnight uh success so that that doesn't really happen this is a a lifelong process and for me it's always been since i was a kid in my head i always have had these visions and uh, there's this subconscious uh, mind that we have that we can tap into in meditation or in our sleep that contains kind of that fire. We have our conscious mind, the, the, the mind that we live in most of the time when we're awake, what some people believe is being awake, <laughs> meaning functioning in daily life. And then there's the superconscious, which is kind of the visions of what is possible. I have always leaned into seeing what's in my superconscious, the, the visions that I, I see, the potential that I see, and trying to align it with what's in my subconscious. And, and, and that's a practice that I started going through ever since I was a kid. I mean, I, I, I remember uh, just being a kid that was very scared of everything and uh, having a lot of trouble just managing being alive. And um, thanks to my, my family, especially my mom, uh, she gave me the space to be able to get to a place where, where I could uh, have some sort of 
um, control over what I was thinking and control not being let me change what I'm thinking, but rather just be with what I was thinking. And now when I look back, I mean, I remember being five years old and my mom helping me meditate while going to sleep, like helping me get into a state of relaxation and almost hypnotizing me to be able to get into a meditative state and then be able to sleep. So, uh, yeah, a lot of work has had to happen to get to certain successes. Now, the other thing is um, I'm one that believes believes in the concept of something being hard, but I don't believe in working hard. I believe in working a lot. And the reason I say this is because uh, things are going to get hard, right? Life is hard inherently, uh, but that doesn't mean it needs to um, cause suffering in you. And this is something I had to learn at an early age and the way that one can work a lot without it being hard is by first of all identifying what part of the work that we're doing now is of value to me and ultimately can be of value to others. It's as simple as that. And then all of a sudden, this hard work actually starts to feel good. It starts to feel fluid. And that is what allowed me to probably get to some of these successes. Now. The other thing is that some of the successes that you are pointing out are a byproduct of me focusing on the thing that I believed in and not on the outcome itself. For example, YouTube. We were hosting all our videos on Amazon before YouTube was even like an option for us. And then we decided, well, why don't we just put this on YouTube? And when we put it on YouTube, uh, we didn't even look at it. We barely responded to any comments. Uh, it, it grew. So anytime you posted something, your subscribers would grow. So the YouTube success, uh, which relative to someone else on YouTube is nothing, uh, but that YouTube success is a byproduct of doing the work that you really believe in. Uh, uh, getting a book deal. The book deal happened because someone saw what I was doing, believed in me, said, hey, you should have a book deal. Here's my publishing house. Go talk to them, talk to them, all of a sudden get it and it happens. And because I had done all the other things, it just happened to make enough sales that uh, it became a New York Times bestseller. So all of those successes that people see on paper are usually not uh, specific goals that you necessarily set. You maybe think about them but they're actually a byproduct of the work that you really believe in and the work that feels good to you and doing a lot of that without having to force it, without having to pressure yourself into it, but rather just doing it because that's what feels right. Yeah, and I like that uh, summary essentially because like there's so many things where people are looking at that outcome. They're looking at the book, the YouTube, the this, the that, and they're like, well, I need to get that to, to feel good, but they're, they're not feeling good and doing the things that get them there, you know, like it's yeah. similar to how many podcasts start up in a year and then don't make it for a full year. Like, right. You probably know like hundreds of people in your circle that maybe delved into podcasts and got six episodes in and stopped or something. Hey. Eh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in regards to the podcast, an interesting thing about the podcast was 
I didn't want to start a podcast myself, for example, because I knew that uh, I wanted to do it a little bit different and I didn't know what the space was like. So it wasn't until uh, an app called Anchor came out, which you may be familiar with, uh, that when I heard a friend of mine recording just on his phone, I was like, ah, man, why don't I just start on this thing? No one's going to find me here because no one has it. So I, I just started recording these like, really uh kind of just off the cuff voice memos and then i was like okay i did 10 of these let me stop for a second because now people are starting to listen uh let me see if i can uh curate something a little bit more more special uh so i i decided okay let me let me do another season i did another season and then i realized oh yeah this is cool uh, now I understand how to do podcasts and what people are listening to. I'm going to cut the season and I'm going to uh, reinvent myself again so I can come back to the space. Uh, and, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because a lot of people start things and they end them and then it's done. What I like to do is I like to start things, end them, and then leverage what I've learned to do the next thing. And consciously doing that and this this being the the concept of skill transfer and skill transfer being our ability to take the way that we do one thing and do everything else and i bring this up just to piggyback off of the success question that you were asking which was i worked with two designers and my co-author on making sure that the cover of our book was a certain way and when the book came out and it became a New York Times bestseller, uh, before I even knew that I had become a New York Times bestseller, my publishing house and the publicist called me and said, hey, Carl, we have some bad news. I said, what is it? And they said, we have to change the cover. And I said, oh, damn. Why is that? Well, you just became a New York Times bestseller. So we have to add New York Times bestseller to the cover. And I was like, oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty awesome way of presenting it. But the the high, the high that came off of that, I, I got the call. I walked downstairs. I was visiting my my family in Sweden. Uh, I I got to the dinner table and I said, "Hey guys, guess what? I'm a New York Times bestseller." And everyone was like, "Woo!" for like ten seconds, okay. And then everyone was like, "Oh, so how was your day?" You know, everyone went. <laughs> went back to their conversation. So that high lasted about seven minutes and then I was done. Yeah. That being said, the quote unquote hard work that had gone into becoming a New York Times bestseller now lasts forever. Right. That that now is a calling card, is a badge of honor, and it's just a great lure to bring people in and now me being able to share uh, the things that I've learned along the way, just like this conversation that we're having, that's really powerful. I like that. That's a good way to put it. So you talk about your, your family in Sweden. Do you still have like a lot of your family in Sweden? Yeah, so my brother lives there and uh, my parents uh, go up to visit a lot and we have a summer house there. So that's been in the family for over a hundred years. Uh, so, so we go out there, uh, as often as we can. So I, I love going out to Sweden and, and visiting. Yeah. How would you say it kind of compares with, uh, just 
lifestyle going there versus living where you are in California? Mm, that's interesting. Well, the one thing that I feel when I go to Sweden is that there's something about it that culturally, because I grew up in a Swedish household, it feels like home. That feels really nice. And the the lifestyle that the Swede has, in my opinion, uh, for the most part is pretty mellow. And it's uh, not about being uh, super disruptive. It's not about being uh, the highest achiever, having to perform at the highest level. Uh, it, it feels a little bit more balanced to me. Now, this is just my interpretation because I know that there are a lot of Swedes that push really hard, are high achievers, and are just like anyone else in the world. Uh, but it feels like there's a, there's some sense of understanding that life is meant to be enjoyed. And um, although there are a lot of problems in Sweden and, and people are struggling, uh, the overall sense is is of um, a sense of uh, joy just in the lifestyle, uh, especially in the outskirts of the the cities, which is where I spend most of my time. And uh, most most areas are are very rural areas, so uh, woodsy, small town type of vibe, and that to me feels really nice. I think it's important for people to sort of like reflect on that because as much as uh... There's so many things in the world that sort of uh, give you that illusion of uh, quietness and connection, but there there's such thing as genuine connection and sort of like manufactured connection and genuine peace and solitude and manufactured peace and solitude. So if you were to define like connection with people and solitude for, for what you need to have clarity, what would that be? Mm. That's a great question. Um, now that I've been spending more time in silence, not talking, thinking whatever I have to think, what's interesting about the human body and the mind and consciousness in general is that it is self-sustaining and it organizes itself uh, in a way that we can't do intellectually. And uh, I actually heard a quote the other day, which was pretty interesting. And see if I can remember it. It's, it was, our intellect is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Meaning that our intellect can serve us really well on making decisions, consciously making decisions that can uh, provide us with something, uh, whether it's life or joy or meeting a need. But in terms of it being a master, something that we succumb to, it, it can be terrible. It usually uh, looks like our ego and we become prisoners of our intellect. So by spending time in silence, in a meditative state where we're uh, either focusing on maybe just our breath or on uh, uh, deliberately practicing allowing our thoughts to just pass by, uh, silence is uh, a great way to go. And funny enough, 
since I got the, the tinnitus, which is the ringing in the ear, the more time I've spent in silence, at first, the more I heard the ringing. But I told my wife today as we were out walking the dogs, I said, I'm almost scared to tell you, but 98% of the ringing is gone. It's, it's turned down because I've allowed it in. I've realized it's not scary. And my brain has literally organized itself. It's starting to fire and rewire in a way that allows me to now be free and actually be in silence where the magic happens. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but if I had to say one thing, I would say spend more time in silence. Uh, and I don't mean silencing your phone and scrolling through Instagram. I mean in just sitting there being quiet, whether you have your eyes open or closed or whatever, and just sitting there. Totally. I agree. And especially with that, uh, the Instagram point, like, I think uh, social media is great and is tied with the word connection a lot. And you feel like you're connected to people. But if anything, like this podcast has taught me how much people need to be around or like actually be sort of vulnerable with other people and talk about things that mean things and not things that you think mean things. And um, it's just, it's, it's almost something that society is sort of losing a grasp on, if, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. When it comes to... Yeah, oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just wanted to uh, be in agreement. Yes. Nice. When it comes to like connection, that's that's like a big buzzword for me. It's sort of like a theme of my my life, my lifestyle. Like with all of my clients, I really try to understand like more about them and not so much just what their body does, but like how they think and what matters to them and all these things. And I have a lot of time in my week where where I can just have like really meaningful connections with people. What mm-hmm. what defines a good connection for you? Like, if, if you're walking away with something, what are you walking away with when, say, after we finish this podcast episode, what what matters the most that you're going to walk away with? Yeah, so that, that's a great, great question. I think it's a complicated one to answer. Uh, but in short, I can tell you a little bit uh, the process. So first of all, my first impression of you just through being on this podcast versus when we spoke over the phone is that you have really done your homework and you're asking very uh, meaningful questions that are making me uh, push into areas of my uh, intellect and being that I've been in, but I'm doing it in a slightly different way. So you are alternate altering my state of consciousness and awareness. And I being aware that you are uh, facilitating that is connecting me to you. So when I leave today after this podcast, I'll be like, Oh, man, Chris, really, he asked some really great questions. I, I can't even remember what the questions were. But this is what my experience was and this is what I felt and that's the connection that I have with you now what is interesting is what's going to happen tomorrow or in a week or in a year from now Uh, you may follow me on Instagram I may follow you we may see what uh, we are doing 
and we may agree or disagree on certain things, but if we can remember that the foundation of the connection that we've created happened this way and we felt something that was meaningful right now, we can always come back to that. And if one can cut through the bullshit, cut through the noise, and come back to the original anchor of that connection, one can start to work on the relationship or the connection that one has created in a way that can either make it stronger or unravel it if needed. And being able to be proactive around a relationship or a connection, I think, is the most powerful thing. So my take on connections is uh, becoming aware of what created the connection and then knowing that you can work on that connection according to what the two parties involved or three, four, five parties involved uh, uh, have to say or feel about it which is great. I like that. That's a good way to put it. And when I reflect on like on my own podcast, like it's I've gathered a lot of different people into conversations with me. And then some of them some of them are just like 2 minutes away from my house. And had I not had that talk with them, I wouldn't understand them the same way like when I when I see their social media posts, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, wow, like no, I I know what this means when they say this. I would just be like, oh, okay, you know, swipe along. Oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. swipe along. And it's it's cool because then what what social media is that's good means more because, yeah, I made that initial, like that first impression, that that spark that, that started things. And yes, I'm not going to be able to talk to them every day, but at least when I see something, it, it means something more. And I think what what I find, and especially in the fitness space, is people will add, 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 add all these different people on their social media. But like, there was an instance probably two months ago where I was at an event and there's a whole bunch of fitness people and somebody added me on Facebook and then we were walking together in a group and they're like, who are you? And I like looked at my phone and the notification was still fresh. Like it, they had added me and I had accepted and I was like, um, you just added me on Facebook. Like I, I get it that you forget names, but like, this is my face. Like, it's just funny yeah. how, how separated we, we can get in this world. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. And, uh, you know, uh, along the lines of that, I, I get that all the time going to these seminars. Uh, you get the awkward interaction of I introduce myself and I say, hey, I'm Carl. Nice to meet you. And they're just like, hi. And they, they don't they don't introduce themselves because they have created a relationship with the person on the other side that they believe they know. But then you meet in person. You're like, wait a second. We have not. We've never met. Yeah. Uh, this this is this is my my real face. Yeah. Uh, and, and the same thing goes for them. And it's it's just quite interesting how social media does that. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. I so I, I I hear you. Like 20 years ago, interaction was way different. Like I'm 27. So 20 years ago, I was seven years old. So I if I wanted to interact, I got on the pedal bike, drove down the road and hoped that my neighbor was outside or something like that or maybe i'd pick up the phone and like dial the number with the buttons and everything and you actually had to know the person's phone number like that that's what it meant to go visit somebody and now it's mm-hmm. like 
you you slide in their DMs and it's like, hey, what you doing? I don't know what you doing. Like it's so different. <laughs> yeah. And uh-huh. like what when you were a kid, what was a moment that stood out to you when it came to like an interaction with somebody? Mm, well, I was pretty young when gymnastics started becoming something that was more than just a hobby that I did after school. It became a career path. And um, at the age of 14, I remember we, we, we signed these contracts basically saying we were professional athletes, which gave us the freedom to uh, basically be able to choose how we uh, went to school, when we went to school, what subjects we studied, when we studied them. Uh, basically, uh, for professional athletes in, in, in Spain, you, you have the opportunity of tailoring your education so you could spend your time uh, contributing to uh, the sports career of, of the country. And I remember at the age of 14, when, when this started happening, my parents were involved, but they weren't really involved. And for the first time, I had to uh, have these create these relationships with people outside of my family. And uh, one of those people was, was my, my coach and head coach of our team. And uh, I just remember that he would joke and say, I'm your father. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just so strange. But what, what he was really saying was that in in this path that you've chosen right now, very few people are going to understand what you're going through. And I'm going to do everything that's in my power to help you get there and to navigate this um, if you're willing to fully participate. I just didn't understand what that meant uh, back then. But now, looking back, I can really see uh, how he, my, my coach, uh, stood his ground and, and just said, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how you can uh, connect with me. And I can help guide you towards your, your dreams. So I would say that that was one of the most meaningful moments or interactions that I've had, which didn't happen in one specific moment. It happened over time and to now uh, still have really strong relationships with everyone I used to train uh, and do gymnastics with. And even yesterday I was watching one of my teammates. He was he's the one of the coaches for the national team in Spain and he was doing an Instagram live at the at the world championships, which are the, the qualifying uh championships for the olympics coming up in tokyo and me being connected to them at such a personal level all stemmed from my coach uh leading the way and saying this is a family kind of thing and uh i'm gonna be uh, your leader for now in in the process i think that was that was a big one yeah I like that. And it kind of, it's a good segue to something else that I I think is important. And it's just uh, when, when we have like sort of our our core people in our life, it's, it's almost, you can't say enough times who you are for people and like what they mean to you. Because I think we kind of sort of numb that out sometimes. Like sometimes it's important to remind people that we are like a sounding board 
as far as like mental health goes. And sometimes I think it's important to remind people like uh, what what our perspective is or like people people are inherently very tough on themselves in a lot of cases. And I was having a chat with somebody earlier this week and it was just like if if you're saying something to yourself and somebody reframes it and they're like what if your best friend was saying that to themselves then what would you say and it's just mm-hmm. how so many people would just jump and want to defend their best friend but they're not right. as fast to jump in and defend themselves like, yeah yeah have you ever had a situation where you've kind of been called out on that for yourself personally? Mm, what do you mean called out for well, her? Maybe, maybe not called out, but you had the realization that, Hey, like you'd been really tough on yourself. And if, if your best friend was saying those same things about themselves, like what would you do? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had, uh, no one's, uh, some people have called me out and said, hey, Carl, you need to be a little bit more gentle or compassionate with yourself or uh, exercise a little more grace. Uh, yeah, some people have called me out because I, I tend to be my worst critic. Um, but I'm learning that uh, I can be my best friend, too, which is cool. Totally. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think I think through meditation, I've really been able to uh, exercise more compassion towards myself. And um, I am thankful that I have certain people uh, at certain times uh, in my life that that are able to call me out for it and be like, hey, you know, chill out a little bit. You're you're 37. You're doing the best you can uh, and you're doing pretty well. So uh, cool your engines, son. (laughs) Can you think of like the most critical moment where it, it meant the most to like cool your engines? Mm. You know, it's never been someone or an, or an outside uh, source for me. It's always been something internal. And I think I've always had that. I, it's like a, as, as much as I want someone to tell me what to do at the end of the day, or tell me what I'm doing or what's right, what's wrong. Uh, the solutions that I've found have always come from within. So it's always been myself. And I'll give you an example about this. And you, if you've listened to some of my podcasts, I may have told this story before. But one of them was uh, a few years ago, I was thinking, oh, man, I have to level up and I have to build all these new things. And I was just making up all these stories in my head and putting a lot of pressure on myself. And uh, I had this trip to to Bali, Indonesia, where uh, I was going out there to teach. And after teaching this uh, two-day seminar, I I went out and took a surf lesson. And uh, so I go out, uh, and I'm out there with the instructor. And it was a pretty uh, pretty big break. And I'm not a great surfer, and that's why I got an instructor. So I was just wiping out. I couldn't catch a single wave. It was super intense. And then all of a sudden, this storm broke out, and it started uh, raining. And uh, as it started raining, the the wind died down, and the waves just started to mellow out. And then all of a sudden, I found myself sitting on my board in this pretty mellow water with these big, cold, 
water drops just falling down and there was this amazing uh, uh, light show happening in the horizon because of all the lightning. And I looked around myself and there was approximately 60 surfers out there. And the first thing I noticed was that I wasn't even aware that so many surfers were sitting out there that were so many people around me. I thought it was just me in this big crashing wave. So the first thing that dawned on me was that, Carl, you're not alone. That's the first thing. The second thing that dawned on me was that uh, the contrast between, between the warm water that I was sitting in versus the cold that was dropping on me, that contrast was the beauty of life, is being able to feel that contrast. That's, that's when we meet someone that is uh, different than we are and we get to see a different um, uh, side of the world. It's a different culture. So contrast was important. And uh, then after that, there was just uh, silence and enjoyment of just what was happening. As the storm passed, the waves started rolling in again. And then this big wave came in and I caught it and I decided, you know what? I'm going to just surf this one all the way into the shore. And I just rode it all the way in. It was a super fun wave. And uh, the instructor was waiting for me to come back out. I waved at him and said, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I took my surfboard back to the hotel and it hit me. Wow. One, I'm not alone. Two, life is meant to be contrasting. Three, I can just chill here and enjoy this. And then all of a sudden, the right moment is going to come to me. The thing that I need is going to come to me. And in fact, the thing that's coming to me, I already have all the tools. So all I have to do is to work with what I got. And that was a big realization for me that came from an experience, no one telling me, it was all internal. And it allowed me to just rekindle the fire and simplify my approach. I like that. That's a very impactful story because it kind of really makes it easy to, to understand what self-awareness can do for a person like a lot of people kind of think that what they need is outside of themselves and really what they need has been there the whole time it's just a matter of like accessing it or understanding mm -hmm. it and like getting to know yourself better and it's it's cool because like people are are frustrated and struggling and they, they think that they need all this help but it's just like they can help themselves it's just a matter of uh having that sort of rude awakening maybe not rude awakening but some kind of awakening whether it be like yeah time to reflect and sort of like stop and smell the roses mm -hmm. and i think something i want to add to that right now which is super important it's probably the most important thing uh in life is that the story I just told you right now, some people listening right now are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, I want to experience that. That seems like a really great experience. Well, when I was experiencing it, I didn't live it as much as I can live it now in telling you the story. Meaning that when we're in a certain moment, if we're lacking our ability, ability to be present and have the awareness necessary, we're not going to experience it then. You're just you're going to miss it. 
thankfully, I had the ability to reflect on what happened. And that, in retrospect, gave me this, the solutions, the, the ideas, the steps to take. So it's not in the action itself where it happens. It's a delayed onset. The, the realization is delayed. And the more you practice being aware, the more those become closer together. The experience and the realization come closer together. And I guess um, those who can do everything in the now, meaning experience and realize in the now, those are the enlightened people. I'm not there, <laughs> right? But, but I do try, I do try to say things like, oh, this is the moment that I'm gonna remember later. Then I'm gonna be like, oh my God, that moment was so great. Let me experience this right now. I try to do that. Yeah, that's a stretch. Like it's, it's hard to actually do that. I think it's better to just kind of like hope for the best and make the most of, of what's happening as much as you can. So I have a question that I ask all of my guests, and it's if you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life to the fullest in the most authentic or true to yourself kind of way, what would that piece of advice be? Ah, this is a hard one. Well, let me share an exercise. This is an exercise on reflection. And it goes something like this. At the end of the day, or right now, you can look back at your day, at your week, at your month, at your year, at your whole life. And you can ask yourself, am I proud? Am I proud? In my heart, am I proud of my achievements? Am I proud of my personal traits? Am I proud of my relationships? Am I proud of my possessions? Those four things, your personal traits, your relationships, your achievements, uh, and your possessions. I think I said the four. And if you don't know what being proud of something feels like, imagine all those things that you listed under your personal traits, the way you look, your, your, your characteristics, your achievements, the things that you've done, your behaviors, your relationships, or your possessions. If you, if, if you can take all those things that you've listed there, or the things that you thought about, and put them on display for the whole world to see without any shame, any worry, just letting it be there for everyone to see, then you are proud. Now, if you're, if you're a little ashamed or you feel a little hesitant because there's something there that you just feel, mm, this, is not, this is not right or there's something that's not sitting well with me or I don't want this person to know this because I'm scared of something, then uh, you are out of alignment with your truth. And you have the opportunity, if you're not proud of yourself, and the things that you've done, the relationships that you have, whatever you own, to reconcile. And one way to reconcile is to first say, I feel it. I feel the shame. I feel the anger. I feel the hesitation. I feel it. 
The second thing is once you felt it is to say, thank you. I, I see that I have room to grow. Thank you for showing this to me because now I have more room to grow. And thank you is something that you can think about through the concept of appreciation. It's kind of like if you buy a home, you hope that the value of the home appreciates over time. So thank you. Gratitude is appreciation. It's growth over time, seeing your potential. So you said, I feel it. Thank you. I see the, the appreciation that exists in this, this um, knowledge that I just gained. And then finally saying, I love you. And I love you is simply an act of moving towards growth. So that would be the exercise. First, list all your personal traits, your achievements, your possessions, your relationships. Ask yourself, am I proud? If you don't know, imagine it all on display for the whole world to see. Whatever you feel, say, I feel it. Once you felt it, say, I appreciate it. I thank you for showing me. I see the room to grow. And then finally say, I love you, meaning I'm ready to move towards you and grow into my new self, my truest self. That would be my piece of advice for, for people. I like it. What is one thing that's coming up in the next seven days that is going to make you the most proud? Hmm. I don't know. If I knew, I would probably be dead. <laughs> so, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is basically all I have for you today. I have a feeling we could probably make this a three-hour podcast. but We could. I, I can't take up that much time. I'd like to thank you again for uh, making the time to join me and having a really cool conversation. Man, same here. Thank you for taking the time to invite me on and share. And I'm so glad this happened. It kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm I'm you glad did. it did. Yeah, it's awesome. So super cool. We'll uh, we'll have to catch up again another time. We will. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything, and I look forward to to catching with, up with you soon. Yeah, you bet. See ya. All right. See ya, dude. And that wraps it up. Like always, I can't say often enough how much it means that people actually listen to this. Um, So keep listening. Subscribe. Uh, Rating goes a long way in the growth of the podcast. When you go onto iTunes or Apple Podcast and you leave a rating, it kind of gives the podcast a bump. And then new people that aren't my mom and dad, they'll listen to it too. And a lot of these conversations are pretty meaningful and genuine. And like there, there's not much like of a pre-script or anything. As much as I might know what I want to talk about, I would never be able to have the same conversation twice. So when somebody shares a conversation that I've had with somebody, then it's pretty cool. Because this is something that I put my heart into. And like anything when we wear our heart on our sleeve and there's a a greater meaning to to a project and that meaning means something to somebody else as well, then that's pretty fulfilling. So thank you for the support. I hope that you continue listening to the Lifestyle Chase. I hope that you take a chance to Mm -hmm. listen to an old episode and I hope you have a good day. Okay, Google, what am I thinking?
You're thinking about how you said that embarrassing thing to that person that one time. And I know it's been eating at you, but trust me, it's not a big deal. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> See ya.